everybody welcome back to episode two of the download our first real episode where we're specifically diving into one series city crescent city by sarah j mass house of earth and blood and house of sky and breath books one and two in anticipation of book number three house of flame and shadow which comes out on january 30th 2024 which is 17 days from the day that we are recording this so 17 days i have been waiting longer than a gestational pregnancy like a human pregnancy (laughs) for this i read the other two crescent city books the first two last february and And she got a little bit of reprieve about four or five months into that gestational period because i read crescent city one and two right like i had nobody else to talk about it with for the longest time and it felt like being an unopened soda can that's just been shaken (laughs) once by house of earth and blood volcano (laughs) again by house of sky and breath and the ending the cliffhanger it ends on left me breathless speechless there was nothing but one little tiny brain cell ping-ponging around my brain it was all i could think about we should be very the whole brain cell during that period of time yes we should be very explicit we will be spoiling absolutely everything Mm -hmm. there is going to be content from a court of thorns and roses that comes into um our conversations as well and straight out the bat pieces from throne of glass that claudia will throw in there i have given consent to be spoiled just slightly they're little things um, but if you haven't read Throne of Glass, A Court of Thorns and Roses, and Crescent City, just be warned. Just be forewarned. Um, like, right off the bat, the the cliffhanger that we are all sitting on, crossover episode loading. Hello, Bryce, darling. I am <laughs> living. Okay, so I just, like, for, like, two seconds, when I was in the 10th grade, I had one of the most iconic English teachers ever, and Charlie was his name, and we called all of our teachers by their first names in my high school because it was weird and hippy dippy and we loved it anyway so charlie would constantly do this thing where anytime we finished a book in class he would give us a quiz on it and the extra credit question for the quiz anytime we finished a book would be what is the last word of the book because he maintained that the last word is like the last taste that the author is giving you i judge my books very harshly based on just the last word because if it's just a generic bullshit last word i feel like it doesn't serve any purpose i'm like okay they clearly didn't think enough so claudia i have to ask what's the last word in crescent city to house of sky and breath well okay so i just like opened to the last page and like when i saw the word resand all of me just died and so i spoiled it for myself okay just by turning to the last page and i have since learned like i can't be doing that anymore because i'm going to hurt myself to be fair i also knew that it was coming when i was reading the book and my body was still full of joy and suspense throughout the entire roller coaster, knowing that it was coming. I just didn't know how we were going to get there. And I had theories and guesses, but none of them were correct. I Let's just Natalie put it that way. I sent an 11-minute voice memo before she had even read Crescent City, <laughs> just gushing about how much good shit we are in store for now that we're heading into the crossover episode. So we are here to just absolutely gush over it. And the good, I'm the ready. weird, everything. And trust me, there's a whole lot of weird. There is a whole lot of weird in these books. And I loved it. But it's there. Yeah, so let's get straight into it. Let's talk about the who. Let's talk about the characters, who we love, who we hate, who's hot, who's not. First of all, I just want to say we have 11 pages of notes. 
for this episode. So just bear with us, because this could be a lengthy one. She's thick. She. I mean, if you're watching the video, we have both books on the table here. They're about 700 pages apiece. They are thick with about seven C's at the end. And we're going to delve into it all. So to back to your question, the who. Who did we love? Who did we hate? Who were we indifferent to? There is a long cast of characters to parse through for this question. Mm -hmm. So many characters. Arguably too many characters, especially when we get into the second book. There was like a core main cast in book one. But in book two... Clearly, Sarah is preparing to expand the world, setting up for the crossover episodes, possibly another series, possibly the next and final, I think, my guess, next and final book after House of Flame and Shadow, considering that each of the books so far has been named after one of the houses in Crescent City, which we will explain a little bit more later. There are four of them. Right. Clearly, if they're all named after a house, there's going to be four books. And the final book, final house that hasn't been named yet is the House of Many Waters. Right. We can't we can't leave her out. And we had a lot of Therion content in book two. Therion is a merman, for those of you who haven't read the series, <laughs> which tells me... I think House of Many Waters is going to be a Therion spinoff of some sort. That's This is a complete crack theory. Nothing has been announced. I'm speculating, but that's my guess. We haven't had an announcement that House of Flame and Shadow is the finale. And if House of Many Waters is the remaining book, two plus two equals four. You know, Therion is going to be front and center, center stage, which... I have mixed feelings about because I don't know how I feel about him as a character. He's just kind of there. He's a little erratic and unpredictable. He's a shameless flirt, which can be fun to a certain degree. But it's his whole personality. But his whole personality is to be a shameless flirt and to hate his fiance and to hate his people, the river people. He is like the Little Mermaid. Like he wants legs, and in fact, in Crescent City too, he, he makes a deal with the Viper Queen, sells out <laughs> to get legs. Yeah. So, I don't know how I feel about that. It'll be interesting to see if Sarah does like Akatar. The first Akatar was a Beauty and the Beast retelling. It would be kind of interesting to see a Little Mermaid retelling with Therion, a man at the center of it, who has motives outside of romance Mm. to be Mm. kind of like leading man in House of Many Waters. So we'll see. That's less of our focal point for today, but just wanted to to note that we have more to come in Therion's story, I'm sure. Can we just talk about our bestie Bryce? We have to talk about bestie Bryce first. First and foremost, because we will not tolerate any Bryce slander or haters in this household okay I just want to put that out there as number one she's an absolute queen I think that Sarah J Mass she has said in interviews that writing Crescent City was kind of her way of blowing off steam and it was a side project and all of this and you can just tell in the writing and the characters that she was on like unserious mode. My girl was having a ball writing this book. There and it are is messenger so otters because of oh, it. Oh, we love. We love the messenger otters. We love Jelly Jubilee. We love the reality TV. We love that there is a scene in which Hunt drops his new phone in water on one of their missions and he's like I'm so glad that Bryce convinced me to get the water resistant insurance for my new phone. <laughs> like 
so unserious. Majorly unserious. But we loved it. But I it's ate it so up. real. So real and so fun. And Bryce went to get her nails done just to piss off a man and get intel. But like and she She made him stand in the rain. She while made him she stand did in it. the rain and did not tell him that there was a legitimate reason behind her going to the nail salon for like 24 hours. And she fully admitted that it was just to make him squirm. She's iconic. Please. So, Bryce, she is our favorite curvy, redheaded baddie. She is center stage in this book. I personally loved her in large part because she is a full ass adult. Amen. Whereas I am not into this trope across romanticy, especially of baby teenage girl and hundreds of years old fae prince slash angel person in love and we do have some of that because hunt is an old old man but he looks what 27 32 sure maybe and bryce is 25 26 perfect in these books so we'll give it a pass because at least she has a fully formed frontal lobe correct unlike some other people <laughs> farah um even Aelin, like, even let's Aelin. be real. Aelin was a child. Homegirl's, what, 18, 19, 20? Homegirl like, literally over eight, the course of this. 18 in a slave camp. <laughs> it's just, we're over. We're By the way, also, the... what is with these, like, pseudo orphaned female main characters who are children, like, malnourished, have to have crazy survival hunting mechanism, skills. hunting skills, slave survival? Like, it's just Why? too much. It's too much. No, no, no. Just like give me a girl who like went to college, partied, and then like party princess, living life. Party princess. Um, and then just like went through a little traumatic event and is now dealing with the aftermath over the course of seven hundred and ninety nine pages. And we're gonna get into the traumatic event in a big way. Well, but Sarah before... puts us through a traumatic event literally within the first seventy pages, so you have no yes. choice but to get into it. Oh, but but we also get into it in a much bigger way than just the traumatic event itself there are so many ripple effects of this traumatic event um that we cannot wait to unpack but before we do that i want to touch on an interesting topic which is the use of redheads in fantasy so there is this trope across and i'm gonna shout out my my girl carrie can read from youtube i love you so much girl (laughs) she did a whole video about redheads in fantasy and to just paraphrase and summarize redheads are white people usually and for a long time in fantasy you're creating this fantastical world right where things are unlike they are in this world and they has the main character has some special power some edge that makes them different and a very easy aesthetic differentiator that you can use to make somebody different is their appearance obviously but for a long time people writing fantasy mostly european people were mega racist and so what's a very easy way to make a different looking edgy person that's still white make them a redhead so for many centuries there have been redheads in these books that have some like quirk and as a result of this like kind of racist tradition and correlation there's now this subconscious bias that redheads are like fiery different have this edge to them Bryce definitely checks that box so I just wanted to touch on that because I think it's fascinating and 
just interesting history and context about redheads in general has nothing to do with crescent city just (laughs) we love a little history lesson though see whoever said that reading fantasy is an intellectual please as i said in the intro episode we are gonna academically and critically think about these very unserious books with otters and jelly jubilee in them okay and shadow daddies and shadow daddies most importantly Let's get into the the Shadow Daddies. How about how about Mr. Rune? Mr. Oh Rune Danen. Anytime I see his name on a page, all of my insides flutter. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He is so hot. He, he is Skrillex I, in in I was Feyworld. just going to say the Skrillex haircut <laughs> is a little bit I'm a little averse to the Skrillex haircut, but we can give it a pass because he is a king inside. And honestly like will eventually be He will eventually be a king. Our fake king. Unless, did I can't remember, did the Autumn King, like, flip-flop their places? Like, is Bryce crown princess, even though she's younger? I can't remember if that was a thing. Because she, like, surpassed him in starborn power. This is so true. We shall see. We shall see. We shall see. All um, I know is that Hunt is a prince now. Hunt's so. a prince. <laughs> Rune is still a king in my mind. And he's just, you know, I think he goes on a really interesting character development journey from book one through to the end of book one there's like a change when obviously Bryce becomes starborn and kind of like you said their roles kind of get flip-flopped in terms of power and then into book two he goes from hating Bryce and them having a contentious relationship because of some big fight that they had which was stupid and then eventually they reconcile and he becomes like supportive big brother and he's like proud of her and like that is what we want that is what we love to see in our men. Rune is one of the rare men not rare as a man written by a woman but rare men in general that can admit when somebody else is better than them at something rune is well aware that bryce is more powerful than him and Mm -hmm. he is more than happy to take a back seat to bryce's starborn power and that is a big part of why we love him he's also just a respectful funny silly guy right like he looks like a frat bro on the outside well he doesn't look like a frat bro he no he looks, looks like, like skrillex <laughs> but he acts like a frat bro like lives in a frat house with his fratty fae friends but like at the core at the core he's just a softy good dude and like you said he is he is secure enough to know that like he can admit when someone when he's wrong when someone's better than him at something and he does not take that as like a threat to himself as, he, and his masculinity exactly he handed over that that star sword he like, said it's it yours bestie a water bottle like, right he said here's your stanley cup babe. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it i don't need it anymore i got a hydro flask so that's rune let's let's touch on hunt because hunt is hunt, so boyfriend hunt is so <laughs> hunt is so boyfriend he's so ken he's just ken his job is bryce and literally we love that literally we love a man who's like life is defined by his relationship to his woman and his goals and missions are driven by what bryce is driven by Mm -hmm. which is the mystery of danica's murder which we will get into and we will talk about danica because i have mixed feelings about my girl danica as well so much to talk about with danica and she's also driven by this budding human rebellion situation bryce is half human half fae so she's literally split down the middle she's split down the middle there's this whole lore mythology about the 
creation inception of this planet that they live on called Midgard and the foundation of Crescent City, the city in which they live. There are all of these different mythical magical creatures called Veneer or Vayner. I say Vayner because it's just, I don't know. You know, I think this is a good opportunity to just touch on the fact that we will mispronounce about 50% of the words and names of people and places and things yeah. that Sarah J. Mass has written and, and other authors as well. Um, this is a pronunciation inclusive space. The only thing you cannot mispronounce is resand. That's it's it. Resand, like Reese's Pieces and <laughs> resand, not rice and. It's it's. I'm sorry. That's the one that we have to. We draw put the our line. Foot down we on. draw the line there. But everything else, you pronounce however you want, if and you don't come call, at us for mispronouncing anything. Well, and Aileen can't be Eileen. Can't be no. Island. Yeah. No. no. It's Aileen as well. Yeah. I think those are the two that I have to stand stand on with both feet. I don't know what the phrase is, but yeah, we're putting we're putting a stake in the ground. Aileen and Resand. You can pronounce Feyre Fairy if you want. I don't care. <laughs> but those are the two we got to get right. Anyways, the Vayner, the Veneer, the Vayner is just an umbrella term for all of these magical beings, which includes lots of different stuff. Witches, vampires, werewolves, mm-hmm. fae, angels, and all are of whom the Asteri are... Veneer or no? Vayner. No, I think they're... I don't they're think they're different... considered that. They're just gods, considered gods. Okay. But, of course, all of these magical creatures are then organized into subgroups, which are the four houses. Mm-hmm. There, Then there's the humans, who are just the trash and there's lesser magical beings as well i don't remember if there's a term for them but there are they're just the lowers low right exactly Mm -hmm. they're lower than vayner but they are still magical like lahaba the fire sprite is a prominent character in book one god Um, lahaba love her so cute cutie patootie and syrinx syrinx the dog chimera chimera situation how do you picture syrinx like a like a mix of a pug and a lion. Yeah, I pictured him as like a pug with angel wings and really sharp teeth. Yeah, like a and they describe him as having a lion's tail and a little bit of a lion's mane, which I heavily relate to, honestly, if you're watching on video. <laughs> I do also have a little bit of a lion's mane. Um and but then like scrunched up and roly-poly like a French bulldog or a pug. Right very interesting picture in my brain for that one but also can also can teleport and do weird things one time he teleported outside across the street where hunt was was watching from the rooftop watching bryce from the rooftop through the window and he literally just to bite hunt in the ass and then that's it disappeared right back into but like this is what we're talking about with sarah being unserious like that is so not important to the plot. And you want to know what Hunt did immediately after he got bit in the ass? What? Called his friend on the phone and said, You'll never guess. This fucking dog just did bit you know me in the that ass. <laughs> these creatures can teleport. And Isaiah was like, I'm sorry, you're calling me for this? He was like, I looked so silly. Like the dog came in, bit me on the ass and I was just scratching my own ass. Of course, when Bryce looked out the window to see me and I looked like an idiot. So unserious, but I fucking love it so much. I adore it. I like giggle reading this book because there are unserious moments like this that are just everything. It's the silliest and I love it. Jelly Jubilee is a a secondary silliness. Iconic. That is so iconic. 
I think about Jelly Jubilee a lot. Yeah. I would like one. Um, what? Oh, do you think Jelly Jubilee is plush or is it like a plastic collectible unicorn horse? That's gonna, how I picture it. It was like My Little Pony vibes. Yes. It's giving My Little Pony. Yeah. Or like, did you ever have those? I'm a horse girl, so excuse me if this is a really niche thing to say. I think they were called briar horses. They're very anatomically accurate, different horse breeds. They're just plastic. Right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could buy, they were absurdly expensive for no reason but they were just like scale models of different horse breeds right and lots of people collected them i had several of them i had i had zero of them but i did have my little ponies how i pictured it It was kind of like those but just like purple with a unicorn horn for jelly jubilee i'm just unwell at the fact that that made it into the book and i love it love it and the fact that hunt thought they were vibrators like so iconic which honestly Again, he's just Ken. How is he supposed he, to know? He is just Ken. He's he just wears Ken. a bas- backwards baseball cap and everything. It's so hot. Love him. Okay, so we have Hunt. We have Bryce. We have Rune. Let's talk about Danica. Let's, let's just. We have to unpack the beast. The let's elephant attack in the room. The wolf, the in, wolf the room. in the room. Miss Danica. Okay, so let's start from the very beginning. We meet Danica. She's this fiery, like wolf shifter, werewolf shifter, whatever they officially call her um and she's Bryce's best friend and Bryce is like I don't need a man because I have Danica and then like 60 something pages in Danica literally gets unalived along with her entire pack and it is incredibly traumatic and this is the big event that really spurs on the entire plot of the first novel and in that one scene there are so many little tidbits of information that become extremely important later on in the plot so right first and foremost the incident happens when bryce our queen party princess is just when we call her party princess at first she doesn't she knows she's a princess technically because she is the daughter of the autumn king so she's technically a fae princess even though she's half human but she hasn't made what they call the drop yet right so she has not like stepped into we're her immortality into the what, by the way we decided we're going to structure these in the same format we did with the intro of who what when where why right we just think that will be all encompassing the five w's so we're kind of venturing into what territory with this bridge here with danica right but she is the connection between the who and the what as she's the connection between a lot of things oh danica and Natalie will Natalie has a little bit of a diatribe <laughs> about Danica and how Sarah uses her basically as the a literary crutch. Correct. She is a scapegoat for everything. If something needs to happen, Danica did it before she died mysteriously somehow. As Look, a college student who had this secret Hannah Montana double life. <laughs> I don't know how she did it. Um so so like Bryce gets home, she's cracked out basically on Lightseeker, which is just crack and (laughs) like quite literally i think that's kind of the analog in our world right and like all hell's broken loose like shit's gone down and danica is is gone so this very wait a couple we have to backtrack a second so the drop oh yes okay they haven't made the drop yet which is a instrumental factor in this scene the drop is when vayner at a certain age they become immortal so you're not immortal until you make the drop Mm -hmm. when you make the drop you have to have somebody anchoring you to the world so there's someone there to like hold your hand while you do the drop and what it is is you like 
it's like meditation kind of you like close your eyes and you drop into the depths of your power and then with this person anchoring you to the world you like run as fast as you can up your own little mind bridge back into the world and suddenly you're immortal and frozen at the age that you are when you do the drop yeah and so there's this whole situation where bryce and danica were waiting until they they decided arbitrarily 27. 27 is the correct age to make the drop for them so they were waiting as besties to be 27 and make the drop together and so both of them are not immortal yet because this happens when they're like 23 or 24 yep and so bryce is out partying on Lightseeker at the club she gets home and discovers some a, a crazy scene that she can't tell whether she's hallucinating or not it is just all of her friends including danica in just piles of raw flesh on the ground they're disturbing they're image just pulp honestly just pulp on the ground and she sees she's like the door is still open like whatever did this has to still be here somehow she's fighting off the the shock thanks to the light seeker is like not phased yet by what she just saw right there's just there's just a lot at war in her system adrenaline light seeker and whatever the crack is in fey blood that is trying to fight off right. all of it and so because danica hasn't made the drop she's dead dead um so that's uh that's why i want to explain what the drop was before we got into all of this but she knew that the thing that did it had to still be nearby so naturally she scurries back out in her tiny dress and high heels to no, find no, no. this she thing she took the high heels off she's fucking barefoot at this point okay she's barefoot <laughs> raw donging the ground and she's running to find this thing and she gets outside and she runs into this alley and there's this demon by the way there's demons in this book too there's everything mm-hmm. we need we're gonna have to talk about we're gonna have to talk about where the demons come from and hell and like all of that we'll later. get to that in the where yep <laughs> the where yep. of it all and so she finds this demon in this alley and it is just chowing down on an angel and the angels are like kind of like the police government in crescent city and across this world of midgard so some powerful being is being devoured in this alley mm-hmm. somehow bryce fights it off she finds like a shard of glass i don't remember it's a table leg y'all like right, this that. girl this cracked out half fey half human girl with a table leg drunk on light seeker like like off her ass fights off this demon that who we come to find out is micah the arch archangel archangel Ar- archangel archangel and the, technically like the governor of crescent City. right exactly he, that he couldn't fight off right um so and, very powerful demon mm-hmm. and it's leaves this like clear venom around bryce gets gashed in the thigh yeah and and has perpetual pain afterwards which yep. becomes important she has like demon venom in her thigh and she just refuses to like, see a doctor about it which we'll get into but yeah, so the demon scampers off. She didn't kill it, I don't think. No, she just scared him away. Yeah, she scared it off. And then Hunt comes into the picture with his friend Isaiah, who's also an angel. And they are essentially slaves to Micah, the archangel that was being attacked by the demon. Because they were angel rebels in a different archangel's squadron. Yep, named that rebelled. Named Shahar, and Hunt was also her lover at and one point. And general, yeah. And her general. They rebelled, and they lost, and Shahar died, and then Hunt got this halo barbed wire tattoo on his forehead, and he's now a slave to the uh, archangel, Micah, and also the Asteri, which are like the 
gods that prevail over the entire planet there are six of them there were seven we'll get into that later as well crack theories galore um but they are just like these beings made of light and we will also get into that later made of starlight they claim stay tuned (laughs) but yeah so that's how kind of our our whole plot is incepted and then there's a time jump and bryce is going to work at her boss's library antique store right which we all which we all learn to find out later is actually the library of parthos big legendary library yes so like jessica another character we have to eventually discuss but more on the crack theory side a little Mm -hmm. bit later because Mm -hmm. we don't know who she is but there's so many don't know what she is we don't know how old she is we don't know where she came from and we don't know why she's like what besties with itis one of the princes of hell strange stuff from jessica danica back to danica so that's how danica died then after this time jump the kind of plot of book one is sort of a murder mystery in that it's not about danica's murder necessarily but there are more murders that are happening that are similar to danica's Danica's and to what happened to micah and so micah sends hunt and some of the other angels out around to talk to people especially bryce because she is like kind of a common denominator right um in this case there was a vampire that she'd gone on a date with the night prior who ended up murdered after that and they came to visit her at work at jessica's to ask her some questions because she was the only connection between the vampire and danica and the archangel and they're like what is going on with this woman's involvement in these murders this girl has been in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah over and over again so they don't tell her she's a suspect necessarily but they ask her to join the case and so our plot begins right so you have hunt who is literally a demon hunter for micah as like a personal assassin right. in and a his way slave tattoo on his forehead binds him to he cut some deal with micah where he has to make ten thousand kills or something like it's that it's like 2217 or sure. something for every then, single life yeah. that his legion took in in this rebellion he owes back and he's at like a whopping 82 after like 200 years of slavery but micah's like if you solve this I'll cut that down to 10. to 10. Right. So he is literally a demon hunter. This like plays right into his toolbox of what he does. And so they're like, you, demon hunter, hottie. Umbra mortis. <laughs> go, go to Bryce, who is kind of maybe a suspect, but also just like connected to everyone, um, networking queen, and figure and it out. Because she's like a half-human, redhead, girly she has a reputation for just being the party princess so people right. don't think much of her and she uses that to her advantage which absolutely we love she uses just like paris hilton she's a businesswoman right and she hasn't partied in she hasn't like gotten drunk done light seeker like all those kinds of things she hasn't been a partier in literally two whatever however many years it is three years since danica's death but she still goes to clubs she does business deals at clubs she actually met the vampire for a business deal at the club when he Mm -hmm. then started getting like all handsy with her and she was like please get out actually like she just does not shatter that illusion and uses it to her advantage going forward which yes we love that big slay and so with this murder mystery 
they do a whole lot of investigating throughout there's a couple of more plot elements that come in that play into the bigger like overarching series plot whereas the murder mystery segment is kind of like book one subplot Mm -hmm. situation but ties everything together so danica our girl she was just wrapped up into everything somehow she we come to find out was a history major in college and she was doing this project this comes to light in book two but just to give the whole danica story picture she was a history major in college she found out this information about the asteri this ruling god party made of starlight where they came from what kind of power they ran off of their whole story right and she was also working with the human rebels that we learn about in book two including a human agent named sophie sophie it's time Renast. to get into sophie as well. well we'll continue our danica problems throughout the story but danica is probably the most relevant dead person ever ever sophie second most relevant dead person ever yeah um and only because we only get introduced to her in book two there's no way at least i pray to the gods okay that the Sophie and Emile search plot arc from book two has some sort of payoff besides what we already got. Like, I understand that we needed Sophie to help us connect the dots to that certain piece of information that leads Bryce to the room in the Asteri's palace that, like, shows her all the answers. I get that little tidbit, but we spent one third of the second book going after not only Sophie and trying to figure out if she was dead or alive, but her brother Emil, because everyone's like, oh, he's he's this powerful he's a Thunderbird, Thunderbird just like Sophie. And then it turns out, A, he's not. And then B, Bryce off page after finding him off page gets him so much off the page like where does she get the time adopted by her parents to just go live a cute little human existence with ember and randall which like slay for emil like he's winning i have a feeling emil is gonna come back he has to better he better we spent about 256 pages that's a estimate of book two looking for that kid yeah i mean where we left off in book two we have bryce who long story short is in prithian with the akatar cast mm-hmm. hunt who is now back, back in the asteri dungeon. dungeon with his wings cut off again and a new tattoo because the tattoo in book was one got taken removed. off and then is now put <laughs> guys, back on there's so much here we're so sorry this is gonna be all over the place but the it, you know this is why like if you haven't read this just read it and then come back because it's gonna be too much for it we would be sitting here for hours if we tried to explain the whole plot and then delve into everything else. right this is not this is not a chronological plot recap this is a brain dump of everything that is afflicting our minds because of this series so okay so hunt's got his tattoo back rune was also down there so like i'm scared for bestie rune because like he's been through some shit with his dad but he hasn't been through like he doesn't have the grit that in that hunt has to have had from no. all of the the shit that he's rune looks like he has grit because again skrillex and tattoos <laughs> but like he's, he's a princeling okay he's a princeling also i'm just gonna say it right here the fact that hunt refers to rune a couple times like mockingly as princeling where then in um 
throne of glass dorian, dorian gets princeling. referred to as princeling and they but call resand princeling it's it's just so good and and they all look alike they all have dark black hair sapphire, and sapphire or, purple or purple eyes, eyes of some kind and they all have shadows. shadow magic like okay they're the all connections related. are connectioning the they're math all is related mathing. they're all related like that is i will die on this hill and but we i'm go- i just want to denounce right now the ancestry theory they are not related by each other. Like, Resand is not someone else's grandfather. And no, no, no. They're all descended from the same. They're descended from someone common, for sure. And they, by common, we mean, like, in common, but yes. very godly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think Hunt also, we'll get into his lineage later as well, uh, and our theories for that, but... Yeah. He has some sort of tie to Asriel. I know it. <laughs> well, and it's just, there's a moment in Crescent City 1 in House of Earth and Blood where someone looks at Hunt, and I'm forgetting exactly who it was, even though I read it last night. Huh. Um, someone like, looks at look Hunt. like Thur. <laughs> and, and they're just, they look at Hunt and see that he's a slave, and they're like, huh. As if it does not make sense that a, that someone like Micah could enslave someone like Hunt. Correct. So 2,000% also, Hunt's add, daddy is probably like a prince of hell. Want to add the Adis of it all? Adis, one of the princes Maybe of hell. Maybe it was him. He was the one who looked at Hunt, actually, and was like, you're a slave. Yeah, and yeah. he was also like, why aren't you using your power? Like, you have more of it. Why aren't you using it? And Hunt's like, what are you talking about? Dude, I think Adis is such a slay. I kind I of love, love him. I love him. I love him so much. Hunt literally describes him like his internal monologue describes him as a pretty boy. And he, <laughs> I mean, he Dead. is a pretty boy. He's described as like this cute pale, little slender, pale blonde slender, guy. Blonde and pretty his, boy. He shifts into a little white fluffy cat. How can you not love the prince of the chasm literally being a white kitty. fluffy kitty cat? <laughs> stop it yeah it's it's pretty cute sarah props for that one okay where were we can we also just this is going to tie back into danica though because we've talked about hunt at the end of um crescent city too we've talked about rune they're also down there with baxian baxian is also getting My in trouble King with baxian. Them. baxian who was danica's mate again going back to danica this girl had time to be a college student Find out that her... Do espionage. Do espionage. Be mate, part of the rebel cause. Mate, mate a bloodhound angel. Or is Baxian a bloodhound? No. No, no. She's... she's Danica was a bloodhound. Danica's a bloodhound because her daddy is Mordok. Who, who is scary King as shit. Bloodhound. Scary man. And also just like go out and party and be Bryce's and bestie. without pizza and like egg on Bryce run to make out with Connor and run the pack of or whatever not girl, the ox run pack her of pack of devils within within girl like Danica please. was doing the most and this is that that's my main issue with her like in theory love the idea of a dead person having a huge bearing on all the stuff that happens and we needed Danica at the end of Crescent City 1 for Bryce to make the drop when she did. Iconic. Which is iconic. At the end of Crescent City 1, Bryce, our girl, is in a major bind where there is a gigantic attack from the Asteri happening. Most iconic battle scene of all time, in my opinion. It's kind of like, she's got this like twofold ending. She has the ending with Micah, and then once that's over, it's the city being attacked. Well, the ending with Micah is the the most iconic piece of literature i've ever read and it is literature to me you guys because this woman takes an archangel he she traps him in her library her bestie fire sprite lahaba sacrifices herself for the cause r.i.p lahaba love, love her. her so much <laughs> pour one out for lahaba 
And then she somehow like uses the star sword and a shotgun to like kill my god slayer rifle the god slayer rifle which like shout out to having a sharpshooter stepdad and yes and also just having it somewhere in jessica's office somehow jessica was like you know what i'm gonna put it up but i'm gonna take it apart in four pieces so my clients are a little less intimidated and then bryce is like i can put it together you know that's randall that's a puzzle yeah and so yeah she she kills that bitch after he monologues about all of his motives and everything that he's been on that's the funniest thing to me it's hilarious and it's a huge pet peeve of mine as well like but also it's just like typical male arrogance where you have this powerful male character who mm -hmm. assumes that he like there's no way he's gonna die he assumes that he's gonna walk out of here alive but at the same time, just to flex because he can, he spills his guts, all of his deepest, darkest secrets, everything. Micah does it, and then Rigolus does it with Bryce at the end of Crescent City 2. And it happens in too. It happens in Akatar with, with Highburn, like all of these really powerful males. It happens with Amarantha, it. too. That's true. That's true. And then it just so happens that, like, oh, you know, cute, Micah's entire diatribe is being, like, live streamed to the conference. <laughs> <laughs> which honestly was Hilarious. it's like and then can you hear the me am i on mute no let's go yeah at the conference uh is when hunt's slave tattoo is removed for the first time by our queen witch hypoxia, hypoxia. which we love and she takes this tattoo off with her magic and then her hunt's first act of freedom is, is to, to rip off sandriel's head. head and for reference sandriel is his ex-lover shahar's twin, twin sister, sister another who, archangel who killed shahar who killed who killed shahar her twin right and so evil she's a piece vibes. of trash she's a piece of trash so hunt rips her head off and then flies in to help bryce because they're at this like asteri summit conference thing outside of crescent city at the asteri palace or whatever and then hunt has to like take this helicopter back yeah fury fury shows up and is like get in bitches we're going to crescent city yes fury is one of bryce's besties who is a mysterious we don't know what fury is a mercenary of some sort we we presume assassin woman who looks a whole damn lot like amarin but let's also just not forget that amarin is just something trapped in a body correct we'll get into that Mm -hmm. we'll get into that down the line but yes um and so hunt has to go save bryce because the first of all micah this is so convoluted (laughs) micah used but that's the point these books are convoluted there's a lot going on yeah so before bryce vacuumed up micah we didn't we didn't even finish that sentence micah got shot with the god slayer rifle and then bryce incinerated him and then used a vacuum to vacuum up his ashes took her little her shark vacuum and decided to just vacuum his ashes up. The very dirt devil. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. But before Bryce vacuumed up Micah, he used the tattoo in her back, which was we actually another Danicaism. Right. She had the time to go and find the horn, this mysterious object that Luna's is horned. I don't think we've mentioned Luna's horn no, yet. No, we actually haven't. And it's very important because it's present from the basically the inception of the book it goes missing and it incites it's part of the murder mystery plot runes looking for it the autumn king is obsessed by it and we all know now like we've pieced together the horn is the fourth item of the dread trove Mm -hmm. that nesta 
goes on this massive that's hunt for unconfirmed the, but like very much is no been alluded to not. there's no way it's not there's, there's no way it's not in a court of silver flames there's um, this moment where lanthus who is in the prison shows nesta this vision of what they would look like as a ruling couple because of their combined power and mm-hmm. she sees in this vision all of the items from the dread trove the and first three the, the first three the star sword gwydion which has been missing from Prithian, right, which for fifteen thousand years or whatever. Yeah, and then there's this one item, and Reese mentions that like the Dread Trove probably has a fourth item that has been lost, and she sees this like murky, blurry image of, of something that looks assume, like bone or something. Right, I think it was what described we as is this fourth item, yeah. and it is like ninety nine point nine percent sure the horn. Danica had somehow found the horn first, got it ground down to a powder, B, mixed with tattoo ink, C, and then got, got it Bryce tattooed drunk and tattooed it on her on mother her back. back. So Bryce is literally tattooed in horn ink. Bryce is the horn. Bryce is the horn. Which is why every time they're like, hmm, if these demons are drawn to the horn all we need to do is find the horn and the demons will come to us no wonder they keep on coming to bryce this entire time the horn she's literally the horn (laughs) like any demon looking for the horn was gonna kill someone around her because she is just the horn with an amulet necklace so anyway yeah where were we yeah, we're we're at Micah, Micah. shooting yeah. Bryce with so, energy of some sort. We understand now Bryce is the horn. Danica somehow before her death was able to find time in her busy schedule to go to Luna's temple and steal the horn from there. It was rumored or I guess people thought it was broken and Hypaxia was on this mission with Rune to figure out how they were going to fix it using magic like heal the horn. Um, turns out the horn was gone. It's been tattooed in Bryce's back the whole time. It doesn't need healing. It works perfectly fine. Even as a dust. Even as a dust. And so the way Micah is like, I want to open the gates of hell and bring all the demons here and like start fresh, I guess. I don't remember what his motive was. I honestly don't either. It's not important. Because he just royally fucks it up. Well, and then he just gets incinerated and vacuumed up. And then Bryce has to deal with it just like every other... This happens every time. The women just always it's a have tale to do the as old as time. Like we literally so, women cleaning up after men. So Bryce is out here just fighting off a horde of demons. Well, yeah. So before she vacuumed Mike up, he used his power, shot it into Bryce's back, and then the horn opened, like opened a all these portal rifts, to hell. These hell essentially portals. hell with one L. Hell being not just a different. It's not a different dimension. We don't think it's another planet. Right, and there are seven seven rings layers yeah can't name all for you but adis is a prince of one of them they've all got a crown prince blah 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 right. we'll get into it way more in the next book i think in book three we're gonna learn a whole lot more about hell because when at the end of book two bryce now knows she's the horn she's in the Asteri palace like her and hunt have been practicing him using his power on her back to like do stuff she can be a conduit for him blah 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 basically opening the rifts needs a lot of power and she's got starborn power we learn at the end of book one which we'll get into in a sec with the drop but it's not enough like she can't quite open rifts on her own but hunt has this like insane amount of lightning 
magic power. And so he's able to then at the end of book two do the exact same thing that Micah did and channel his own power into her to activate the horn. But they're not trained. Like this all happens within the span of like a year. So she doesn't have any practice using this stuff and she doesn't know what the hell she's doing at all. Right. Like no pun intended saying what the hell. 500 years to master his magic. Yeah. And also like around him to train him his whole life premium like, schooling and right, all like of the, that the ivy leagues of magic of course and teachers. bryce has not had such privilege despite being the autumn king's daughter he's just a misogynistic piece of shit so he didn't do anything to i her. think there's i don't know i think there's a lot that he's probably hiding he's been like doing these stupid experiments for a long time and like for what again there's like a project thur happening again, and he like, has a bust so of much. thur in his there is a ancient thunder god like he has a bust of thur in his office and bryce looks at it and she's like that looks like hunt hee <laughs> and then like just that's it <laughs> like okay sarah anyways so micah uses bryce's back to open these portals to hell demons come pouring out the asteria are attacking her because she just killed micah all this stuff and so there's this huge battle scene there's also gates all around crescent city for each of the neighborhoods in each of the five neighborhoods they all have a connected and the gates are connected they used to use them sort of as like walkie talkies telecom system right you like throw a coin on it or put your hand on it or something and your voice projects to the other gates and so bryce like projects her voice to the gates tells everyone to like hide down and she is like i if anybody can hear me please like put your hand on the gate because I'm going to make the drop and right. I need you to anchor me because she is in a bind and she needs she more power. Needs, yeah, she needs more power and like frankly, she needs her immortality. And so she undertakes what is perhaps the most epic drop well, ever. Also, by the way, I have to note, Hunt had gotten there to save her at this point and he like gets a demon off her, but they shoot a missile, a brimstone missile, and then Hunt like literally gets blown to smithereens. Yeah, and Hunt, he's Hunt just like, like in almost pieces. dead on the ground next to her and she's like i need to make the drop and she tells him she loves him all this stuff it's very it's very cassia nesta at the end of uh wings and ruin honestly indeed indeed it is and so bryce is like somebody put their hand on the gate right now i'm making the drop deuces and then (laughs) she starts doing it she descends into descends into the depths of her power and she literally like breaks the power scale yeah and everyone mind you everyone somehow declan the computer fairy um I love Declan <laughs> so much. Another crutch of Sarah's. Anytime Another crutch of Sarah's. Declan's resident hacker, Declan. He is one of Rune's fairy bestie guys. And he Frat just bros. so happens to be like a gay hacker. hacker. And he has a random boyfriend named Mark who's not important. Um, <laughs> but he, anytime they need something, they need to find the footage from the night Luna's horn went missing. Declan can get it. They need to hack into the Asteri security system so that they can turn off the camera so Bryce can get into the dungeon. Say less. Declan can do it. Say less. So Declan has been the one broadcasting, live streaming the Bryce demolishing crescent city demon situation so everyone is watching her break watching her make this drop yes because she like like, facetimed someone and he's just like playing it on the big screen right they're like hey can you can you apple play this up to the big screen real quick air playing and then he also somehow has some sort of like drop power detector right he's got the meter (laughs) he's got the meter right it's like a seismic wave (laughs) but like digital machine and they're just like you know we think she's gonna die because this is not this Bryce, is not it. A half human, half fae woman drop 
past where the autumn king's power was like she is now has theoretically attained more power than the autumn king than literally anybody than else. anyone and so she's at the bottom of this well and who's there to anchor her but Danica. right because she needs to at this point sprint back up and the more power you have the farther back you gotta go mm-hmm. so she needs to and if she doesn't get back up within a certain window of time right. she's dead so you like you hit the depth of your power and they're quite literally brain like brain dead like their heart stops or whatever mm-hmm. one not- thing about bryce is she's gonna take a risk Yes, exactly. So she's here making the riskiest, most but reckless, most epic, but reckless nonetheless drop ever because she's like, hold up, I need six minutes to do this and then I'll save the city. Danica, the ghost of Danica, gives up the last shred of like her soul's existence to yank Bryce back up to life. And when she does so, first of all, Danica has her whatever, like, they call it second light, we learn in the second book. Um, it's the remainder of her soul that lives in the bone quarter where all the dead people's souls go. There's also this whole thing about Bryce trading her place in the bone quarter for Danica's. The whole bone quarter thing and like all of that really just, I feel like I got lost half the time. Right. And so, so Bryce knows like if she dies, she's dead, dead like Danica is. And they'll both just be dead, dead and they're gone because she traded her place in the bone quarters. She knows she's not going there if she dies and now Danica's used her last shrapnel of power yep. to get Bryce back up. So it's just this whole, this whole thing. It's Somehow literally Danica's there. Whatever. Bryce miraculously, of course, makes it back up. And, and when you make the drop, there's the you donate some first light, which is like a drop of your power to the city. And the you first actually, light... You actually donate the majority of it. They let you keep like a vial of it as like mm-hmm. a memento. But you create a huge amount of well depending on how much power you actually have mm-hmm. you create a certain amount of first light it's like taxes right and you just like give it to the government and and they use we're it gonna to have to talk everything. about we're gonna have to talk about this about the asteria like immediately after yeah. this because we're talking about bryce's first light but she's got so much power that she basically becomes this big beacon of first light healing and, hunt yes yeah, so <laughs> she, because she's touching the gate like this first light spreads across the whole city and like miraculously gets rid mm-hmm. of all the demons and brings hunt yeah. back to life also we should mention <laughs> remember when you said the whole thing about like the gates used to be like a little telecommunication system you would yeah. put your hand you donate a drop of power she's basically like the gates have been little by little like imbued with like drop after drop of power and because she's making the drop at the gates she gets all of that first light which is why there's a phrase the there's a phrase on the gates like the city belongs to those or like who give their life there's something give their lives to the city whatever there's like a whole phrase etched onto the gates and this is exactly what it means it's like everything that people have given to the city like she is now giving her life for the city and so all of the energy and all of the first light that has been imbued into these gates is now being given back to her because she is making the biggest sacrifice right and they're on like the power lines too Mm -hmm. the ley lines so she's like she gets all of this just tourist first light yes all this tourist first light essentially exactly and so then you know happy ever after at the end of the first book the asteria are like hey just we keep it quiet. see that you have so much power um please don't use it you can just chill with your angel boyfriend and he can be free but don't do anything mm-hmm. or else mm-hmm. and they're like don't rock the boat we'll make him we'll make him a not slave anymore live your life yeah. and what we come to find out about first light and the Asteri is that the Asteri are really not stars. They're not starlight. They are just shells, bodies that they have picked to inhabit. 
but they are just powered by first light and there are monitors in the like underground Asteri library level that are basically like your iPhone batteries telling them what percentage battery everyone's at (laughs) and they are it literally like has their nameplate on it and like and it's like 70 percent like please <laughs> and so they are basically just god imposters and this is what danica found out mm-hmm. this is this is what danica and sophie were like corresponding about yes. in code under like weird aliases and sophie had found the room where like all of the Asteri secrets are just displayed on a on a whiteboard basically like like oopsies we went to this planet and it didn't really have anything good so we moved on to this one and they we drained it and then moved on again and they're like Midgard is perfect right and, and they're so, like we went to this other planet and they fought back right which we're, we learn or we think is the the Prithian planet yeah and Akatar and now would be a good time to mention Silver Flames has a lot of um, lore where Rhysand just like gets on his High Lord pulpit and is like, well, here's this story about our ancestors and the wars that they fought. And Crescent City has a lot of lore about how the Northern Rift is a thing and where the Asteri came from mm-hmm. and uh, Princess Thea and Peleus and all of this. And if you reread them, you realize that the Akatar and Crescent City lore, it's actually the same, but they just have like missing names for different people. So Princess Thea and Peleus like might not be remembered exactly the same way in each one, but you can tell that the actual characters are the same. same. So we then kind of learn as Regulus is over here, like again on his like very, very male high horse of there's no way I'm going to die and there's no way Bryce is going to live to tell this tale. He tells her everything, spills his guts. And we are 99% sure, right, that they went, the Asteri went to Prithian, tried to pillage it, and those Fae pushed them out. Correct. And that is why when Bryce gets to Prithian, there's this Precisely. old language yep. that they have in common. And of course, Bryce just decided to pick up classics in, in college. Of course, Bryce was just like kind of obsessed with the old language as a 13 year old decided to teach it to herself so she could impress her daddy who then hated her and, and that hates her even more because she's uh, rebellious against him right like, he set up God. this marriage to her with cormac who is the prince of the avalon fae she's oh the God. princess of the valbaran fae and she cormac, was like secretly been in love with sophie, sophie the whole time and this whole thing oh my god so much but we have anyway. to also get into the mind bridge with with agents there are so many there are so many (laughs) wonderful romance arcs heartbreaking and otherwise but yeah anyway so bryce just like randomly has this wonderful knowledge of the old language so that she can show up and magically talk to our 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 besties in in amarin not everyone speaks this old language it's just Reese and Amrin. Right. Reese because he was educated as a high lord. And Amrin because she's old as hell. Amrin because she's old as hell. She's from 15,000 years ago. And I'm going to go. This th- big inference of 15,000 years ago is like when the when Asteri like tried appeared. to conquer this <laughs> other. Right. They tried to conquer this other fate planet. Like this 15,000 years ago is like I think when this big war happened. Yeah. We're encroaching on crack theory territory. You know what? I'm just going to go straight into crack we're gonna theory territory. We're going to get into it. So we've, we've kind of breezed through the who, what, what just touch on when really briefly um and where we'll kind of combine when and where when this is all happening we are learning like obviously by 
unless the rifts are somehow like space time portals where she's not only traveling through space to a different planet but also through time to a different time we know based on the crossover that bryce is story is happening at the same time as the story from akatar and in fact we'll get into crack theories now yes yes there is a a time when nesta in silver flames the very end the very end she's using the harp she's trying to save feyra and she like plucks the 26th string or something which is the string that stops stops time time and is able to like save feyra and give her childbearing hips or something and then and herself (laughs) let's not forget that she modifies her own pelvis at the same time right but Um, not elaine not elaine elaine i mean which is which tells us elaine's not ending up with asriel no definitely not (laughs) no and i hope not because elaine is sweet girl she's not asriel girlfriend material no Uh, i'm sorry elaine i don't care who elaine ends up with frankly I just care that Asriel ends up with like Gwen or someone worthy of him. We'll circle back to Asriel in a bit because there's crack theories yeah. we've got related to him. Anyways, so so Nessa's over here plucking plucking a harp. There's a lot of references because of the relevance of drugs too in Crescent City. Oh my god, City. we haven't even gotten into the synth yet. But there's a lot of there's a lot of me- like reference to feeling as if time is speeding mm, up and slowing yes. down, expanding and contracting. And we know that Nesta like messes with the harp a couple times because the different strings do different things. Um and Oh, like the I think the thing I was thinking of was the moment when Bryce gets home when Danica is murdered. Mm-hmm. She feels like time is like right moving weird because she's on light seeker exactly but there could also be some sort of crazy like incidental that, moment that when the nesta moment plucked that the harp nesta plucked the harp exactly so there's this like timeline overlap of like the end of silver flames and somewhere in crescent city one we know that by the end of crescent city two like bryce lands in the on the lawn of the river house and this is like now well past, not well past by like all Couple that much. A couple months or maybe a year past the events of, of Silver, Silver Flames. Flames. Yeah. And so chronologically, it looks as if the worlds are separated by space, but not necessarily time. Yeah. Um, and so. Same with Hell, which is where Bryce was trying to go. Right. To exactly. Adis's help. Because she, she just assumed. launched through this portal that Hunt like shot power into her back in the Asteris palace chamber thing and she ended up in prithia right because every other time that anyone has like siphoned energy into her it's open portals to hell and unleashed demons so she figures okay I'm if i can jump hell. through it mm-hmm. y'all probably end up in hell and then she like wakes up on this like plush grass in front of a mcmansion and on Azrael a river picks her up and she's like oh this demon is sexy god if <laughs> i if i jumped through a portal and i thought i was going to hell and i woke up surrounded by some like dewy grass looking up into the eyes of a shadow daddy like Asriel <laughs> I would pass away I would yeah. pass away speaking of time Amarin Amarin always talks about how she's like 15,000 years old but refuses and to say what she is she came from somewhere else she came from somewhere Very else important to note she was stuck she in the prison she was stuck in the prison and she's imprisoned in this body she is right. not the whatever body she's in that, that is, is not, not who her she is. Body. She picked a body to inhabit, but she is something else. And we learn at the end of Crescent City 2 that it is exactly the same with the Asteri. They are just bodies that they are playing. They're basically playing house in these bodies. And they are first light 
driven parasites. Parasites, mm-hmm. yes. And they have this seventh Asteri who they say they claim because we all know history is written by it's serious i think is is her name yeah and she's like their fallen sister their fallen sister um fallen angel whatever they want to call her but we all know history is written by the victors and the asteri yep. on midgard are the victors because they're in in control so they get to say whatever they want so they claim that she was eaten essentially by um killed by the prince of the pit which is the lowest level of hell Mm -hmm. and they nickname him the star eater because the asteri are considered to be stars starlight all that stuff so they're like no like the the hell is bad the princes from hell are bad because they killed our sister they he ate her and (laughs) (laughs) and if we hearken back to a court of wings and ruin there is this moment where God, we got to talk about the Book of Breathings after this. Like, put a bookmark on that one. Mm-hmm. Where Amran and Favra are standing in front of the cauldron and the unleashing spell for Amran is is what they've been working on. We just don't know it's the unleashing spell um, until, like, we're in the moment. So Amran translates and speaks this spell. Favra is the conduit of energy, blah, blah, blah. So much stuff about the female protagonist being conduits uh, for a energy powerful conduit of energy yeah with bryce having the horn Feyre. plus our starborn power plus Feyre being the conduit at the cauldron plus aelin you're gonna something. see a- yeah a- like everyone can pour power into these women so amarin jumps into the cauldron and she is unleashed and described as just literally a ball of light and much like first light it's not she's not infinite she is finite and she peters out i pictured it as if anyone has seen the legend of Korra. There is a scene at the end of the second season where she is fighting, um, I f- forget the names of the two. It's basically like yin and yang, like, spirits. Mm-hmm. One is the spirit of darkness, one's the spirit of light, and uh, it's Rava and something else. And Rava, like, lives inside of the Avatar. There's this whole mythology that I don't need to get into, but Korra essentially becomes, like this giant like statue of liberty sized avatar of herself and she's just like made of the light of rava and she's just having a fist fight in the ocean with the dark uh demon spirit that she's trying to put back into this tree of life to lock in there for another ten thousand so years. and i picture it as cora because she starts out huge and she's fighting and fighting and then she shrinks back down to normal size as her power peters out. Yeah. And eventually like Amran's essence, whatever this light is, which sounds a whole lot like first light, is is nothing. Is nothing. And Reese drags, is I think it's Reese, who drags out Amran's, yeah, from the cauldron. Amran's body. Yeah. This body that Amran had Reese chosen to live in. dies Reese, at the end oh of. Oh my God. We do, I, Sarah, Page I 666 so of A Court of Wings and Ruin wrecked my life sarah, for about 30 seconds until i kept reading i love sarah as much as i love my literal biological mother but she just needs to stop with these crazy i love a happy ending but like girl the resurrections the resurrections are too much the resurrections are too much the end of akatar Feyre comes back to life the end of mist and fury i don't think anyone comes back to life necessarily what how do they leave nesta off? nesta oh, and elaine get dunked nesta and elaine get dunked in the cauldron they're like fine or whatever and but then Feyre well, like, like breaks the bond but we know that 
the everything is fine everything's fine cassian and azrael get stabbed and shredded and all this but they end up fine and then at the end of wings and ruin reese dies and comes back and drags amron back to life with him and then at the end of silver flames like nesta and feyre both naturally have somehow illyrian wing birthing canals (laughs) just there's just a lot so love that girl and then also at the end of crescent city one obviously with bryce bringing hunt back to life after he gets shredded like just so much convenient resurrection yeah and like i love a happy ending as well but let's mix it up right all i'm saying so so my point is we get amarin's body back but she's just she's she's just a body now she's she doesn't have this like essence power that even reese didn't really understand like she's no one also talked about so dating i think the high lord of the dawn no not a high lord he's like a prince cousin or something sure yeah. varian hottie something like that yeah but so i think all that to say i think amarin is was whatever the seventh, seventh asteri. i agree and i would like it on record that i sent that as an 11 minute voice memo to yes. natalie before she had even read this uh red crescent city because i, I already knew that she that bryce ended up in prithian so it was safe spoiler territory mm-hmm. um, yeah but i and it's also like it's not a spoiler to say that there are six asteri when there were once seven because it's just true and i'd read akatar so it wasn't spoiling anything else. right and it's like very clear like up front when you start reading crescent city it's not it's not a secret that there was a seventh one correct they they tell you right off the bat yeah they obviously are not gonna say we had a sister who defected or however the hell amarin ended up leaving but right. which most likely coincided with this big war where like thea and Peleon like fought off the asteri um so thea and thea being the original starborn um where rune and bryce get their um get their heritage get their starborn power all that fun stuff okay so now that we're talking about starborn and we're talking about rune and bryce yes the only people who can wield this star sword are people who are of this starborn lineage and i want to note that the star sword to bryce and to rune but more so to bryce has some like energy or like glow that like calls to them right and rune actually notices this like aura around bryce yeah it sings around her and he notices this aura of starlight around bryce and this aura of starlight around his sword but he's high off his ass and he's like damn drugs but it's it's not that at all and that's another thing you like notice during these rereads is like rune will notice something like that and you completely like brush it off as like the mirth root but it's not it's this like inevitable starborn connection and it also not only is a starborn connection but to me it screamed like calls to like like, like all of the to stuff like from mm-hmm. akatar where, where like, maid calls to maid exactly. object to hu- to fey etc cauldron to things that came out of the cauldron right exactly so so we've got bryce and we've got rune who both have starborn power in different amounts but because of that both of them are able to handle and wield this star sword and we learn that the star sword what we call the Star Sword in Crescent City, they call Gwydion in Akatar, and it is this long lost sword that is rumored to be the mate, if you will, to Truth Teller. Which is Azriel's dagger. Right. Which is Azriel's dagger. And the only way you can wield something that is if if we think that Truth Teller is therefore also Starborn in some way, or like can connected only be wielded to the Starborn yeah, power. Connected to Starborn Fey. 
um, then it only stand we only stand to assume that Azrael has to have some sort of starborn lineage and power in him in some way. I also want to add a secondary crack theory that we haven't really talked about all that much. Ooh, please. Which is if there is starborn power and it has a twin and the twin of the starborn power, the the wielder of truth teller mm-hmm. is also a shadow wielder. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some sort of like light and dark sort of mm. dichotomy yin and yang situation between those two right so i don't know if necessarily Azrael has starborn lineage but perhaps mm. something else entirely like you can't have stars you can't have light without dark interesting you can't have star without shadow or night right and we've gotten teasers of house of flame and shadow which include mostly nesta and and Azrael. so it implies that they are they are both you know more prominent in the connection to Midgard in some way and let it be also said Nesta wielded truth teller or was it Elaine Elaine was given truth teller but Nesta was Nesta the one who it, yeah. actually finished off the king of Highburn yeah. with it so Nesta killed the king of Highburn with the truth teller dagger which tells us that both she Elaine, has to have both Elaine and Nesta were able to use the it Archerons. but the mm-hmm. Archeron sisters have some sort of whatever birth lineage Azrael has they have some essence of that perhaps this is the, another theory why I think Azrael and Reese are somehow related I think they have because to be but like trace Feyre, back really far yeah Feyre has a drop of Reese's power yep Nesta and Elaine were both made in the cauldron yep. there has to be a connection between the cauldron and Reese himself and right. the ancestor that Reese and Azrael may or may not share right no exactly and like the cauldron things that are made in Akatar, she again like Sarah uses the same phrase like calls to like and then in Crescent City it's in refer it refers to the starborn like mm-hmm. calls to like yeah and so there's got to be a connection there somewhere like the cauldron what is it like is it star is it the starlight is it you know the same kind of starlight that Bryce has so when you get dunked in the cauldron or whatever you know I don't know there's so much that could be I know That's that could crazy. come from this but like Long story short, we think Azrael is related to the gods in some way. Because if Thea is the original Starborn, then like her her lineage, her descendants somehow. We know that the High Lords are like the descendants of the gods. Like that's why they're High Lords. And that's why, that's how they figure out who the next High Lord is going to be after and after and after is like through this lineage. And so it just stands that Azrael must be connected in some way. And Agreed. we don't know who his dad is. We don't. Same way we don't know who Hunt's dad is. There's so much lineage coming for us in Crescent City 3. Yes. I'm referring to our 11-page notes to pick up the next selection of crack theories that kind of ties to this. <laughs> While you're looking, I'm just going to throw a quick one out there. Please. I want to talk about the tattoos. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Hunt has this tattoo, obviously the like slave tattoo on his brow, and it's this like dark ink and... It is described as like, even in the light, it seems like it sucks up light and somehow it like restricts power, right? It inhibits his own magic and something very similar happens in the Throne of Glass world in Rifthold where there is essentially a system of like word stones, uh, word stone towers that create this like triangle and within the triangle you cannot use magic. 
I and we we know we know from Crescent City that you can grind up a horn and make it into a tattoo like why can't you grind up Wordstone and put that into tattooing and use that to throttle magic within a person so I personally I think that the um, slave tattoos specifically the halo of thorns that uh, the angels get that Hunt has are Wordstone ink additionally I want to add Brimstone from Crescent City is a magic killer. Mm -hmm. We know they don't refer to things as the same stuff across universes, even if it functions and appears almost exactly the same. Like in Akatar, they winnow, which is teleportation. Mm -hmm. And in Crescent City, they teleport. They just call it teleporting. Right. So there's something there for sure. Mm -hmm. I think Brimstone could be the analog in the Crescent City world mm. to Wordstone from Throne of, Gla- mm. Throne of Glass. I like this. There are so many other parallels like this, though, that there are just too many to rattle off or count. But one that kind of ties back into the lineage stuff is the Autumn King and the Autumn Court. Yes. And shadows versus fire, flame and shadow. Ooh. There's going to be secrets revealed about those sorts of connections there has to be something there where like the autumn king doesn't have firepower but his children are starborn and rune has shadows but sha- and shadows are very avalanche and they're all i mean rune's not mm-hmm. a redhead but bryce is a redhead yeah and the autumn king is a redhead yeah then the whole autumn court are all redheads lucian like is has lineage that is not the autumn king right but <laughs> he, the high lord of autumn court baron um there's there's some familial tie down that line somewhere and i think there is going to ultimately plus there's alien has fire and there's flame and shadow connections there's fire somewhere everywhere (laughs) yeah and like why do we only have autumn in the crescent city world that's my other thing why do we only have that why do we only have autumn what What's the difference between the Avalon Fae and the Valberan Fae, which is the right. Autumn King versus Cormac's dad? What is Cormac's power even? He um, just teleports and chills. Well, there's a reference in the beginning to Rune saying, like, his shadows actually come from the Avalon Fae lineage because his mom was Avalon Fae. Mm. And so he's like, that is why he thinks is part of why Flame his dad. Yeah. He's like, that's why I think his dad, he's like, that's why I think he hates me is because. I didn't get his firepower. I got these shadows from like my mom's side, hmm. um, which makes and and the mind speaking, the, the mind, mind speaking. speaking. God, mind speaking is so hot. Speaking of mind speaking in room. Oh my god, we're about to talk about the mind bridge. We haven't gotten to the mind agent bridge day, yet. agent night, the mind bridge. Holy smokes! So there's a part in Crescent City Two where rune starts playing spy basically starts playing spy he's given this communication crystal walkie-talkie device that there is an agent by the name of daybright on the other end who is part of the rebel cause but we don't know who she is and rune starts talking to her on the mind bridge he basically like goes into a meditative state and then an avatar of him appears in this what i pictured as just like a black void and he speaks to this woman who's doused in fire right flame Flame and shadow shadow. (laughs) (laughs) and they are talking about espionage and just 
all of the the good stuff that's going on and then eventually they get real comfortable around each other and a couch appears in the mind bridge and they start vibing on the couch then we ultimately get the reveal that agent daybright on the other end is none other than lydia servos aka the hind who is a deer shifter that works for the asteri yeah um and and let it be known she is obviously she's fire in when you know she's with rune and she's a deer shifter in throne of glass aelin is the queen of tarasin and tarasin i don't know whatever and (laughs) (laughs) and their kind of symbol is the stag like sarah you're not slick like (laughs) we see it we see it and her power is fire like that is her magic but lydia is also a half witch or is a she's not she's a full witch she's like half sisters with hypaxia she's half sisters with hypaxia who's a full witch and who's the queen of the witches yeah there's more to come there i'm sure but that's kind of all we know so far yeah and and lydia does this thing at the very very end where she unlocks their their manacles mm-hmm. um when they're down in the asteris dungeon so that bryce can get out and they can like shoot the you know so Han can shoot energy into her back and blah 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 send her through the rift but she got she got out of that without being caught like right. she's still in the good graces of the asteri right so she like her cover is not blown yes everyone else is screwed poor rune but I'm sure Lydia will take good care of him. No, as li- best like as she can. Lydia's got to be the go-between now to like somehow get them out. I'm I'm scared for Rune, I'm as Sarah has said, Rune. we should be. I am scared for Rune. I'm scared for Hunt too. I'm scared for Hunt. It's not that I don't care about Baxian, but like m- my boys Hunt and Rune are just yeah. my heart <sighs> hurts. But what I think is so funny is that like the very 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 end where Bryce ends up in Prithian, like we're so excited for that. It, I almost sometimes forget that like Run- Hunt and Rune are about to like go through hell i'm gonna talk about hell for two seconds and then we can wrap things up with our crack theories about our favorite hell ally jessica yes so let's start with what hell is hell has like seven realms as natalie mentioned earlier idis is the prince of the chasm which is i believe the fifth there are two more the last one is the pit there's no light in the pit like everything lives in the dark these demons that come out of there like don't even have eyes because they don't there's nothing to see and it comes across as something very 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 similar to what Maeve who is in Throne of Glass what she describes as uh, the planet she and the Valg came from that is that's all I'm gonna say partially because I don't want to ruin everything for Natalie because still that reading is Throne of Glass. <laughs> part of the journey she's on right now but the Valg are a huge 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 part of that whole journey and Nat you'll hear about them in um, Air of Fire they bleed black like all of this stuff and when you finally get like this more information about the backstory of where they actually came from and the planet and the description of the planet it just sounds very much like the pit Mm. so whatever whoever they refer to in Crescent City as the Star Eater the Prince of the Pit what what was his name? Apollyon Apollyon like is that is Apollyon one of the Valg princes that we see in Throne of Glass, or is he like their daddy? Who knows? Who knows? We don't. We certainly don't. Is Maeve described as a queen? Maeve is the yes. She's like the queen of the Fae. Hmm. Curious. And she's the one who tells, um, who talks about where the Valg came from and describes their planet but is Maeve a Valg herself 
you know, you have to stop asking me questions where if I lie to you, if I don't want to spoil it, I have to lie to you. I'm that's I'm just gonna no comment that one. Okay, because I'm my wheels are now turning. Like, is a pulley a man? <laughs> there are there are <laughs> multiple deities okay. of the Valg. We'll get so. Anywho's, um, we know that there is a star eater, and there is a, definitely a connection between Throne of Glass and Carson City. And like, look, we all think the princes of hell are supposed to be like cringe but we know from itis that they can be pretty so and they can be slay and they can be slay so somewhere (laughs) in the universe of characters that we have might be hidden in plain sight the prince of the pit is all i'm saying i'm excited to find out what that might mean yeah and if it's asriel oh my god stop it sorry had to throw it out there Ah! um or if asriel's at least like an offspring of of that well i think hunt might be might be for sure. descended from for the sure prince of hell because they there's been speculation about hunt having mm-hmm. demon in his lineage mm-hmm. at some point along the line then there's the third connection of him having similarities both with his lightning power and his appearance to right. the thunder god um lots of speculation about hunt we've been promised lineage information about hunt and asriel in house of flame and shadow so excited i am to learn excited my favorite two winged men Ah! (laughs) (laughs) and yes they are my favorite two winged men okay i'm so so sorry to the cassian girlies i love my resand but hunt and az just have a special place in my heart well look i think hunt Hunt is just ken and asriel cassian of the crescent city universe i just would like to put that out there i think that's true in a sense but hunt just has this like I don't know. There's something about him that's so endearing to me. It's the fact that he answers with whatever to like three questions on the same page. He's he's just like an annoying teenager half the the time. The shower scene just did something to me as well. Oh my God, that really hurt me There's a scene where Hunt has come back from a mercenary assassin mission for micah in the and first he's book just, he's just down bad he's like down he's not do, he's not doing well he's in his emo boy hours in the shower just like sitting on the ground and bryce fully Literally clothed comes in him. and washes him and and, and we it's all really know sweet. we all know if you listened to literally one lick of what an english teacher said in high school that any scene where someone is getting washed is like baptism right like there's some it's symbolic it's so symbolic yeah whether you're walking through the rain or like you're in a shower or you're in the ocean in some body of water when nesta and cassian go to the lake the like cauldron. bodies of water are healing it's like you know symbolic or just of baptism, like rebirthing in some rebirth, way cleansing Re- all this stuff or not cleansing or making you worse like nesta um <laughs> <laughs> or making you decay like that other princess lady right but the cauldron's also like not water the cauldron yeah. is like probably i would argue it's still a baptism reference of some though. sort yeah mm-hmm. let's wrap things up with jessica yeah who the hell is this who woman is this woman how is she going to become the new danica in the sense that she's a, orchestrating I everything based on the end of crescent city 2 the scene i don't remember if it's an epilogue it's, or it's like a fine the final chapter yeah her and idis her and idis have a little sitting on a park bench or something they decide they need to move the library again yes they've moved the library to a new undisclosed location we still do not know what Jessica is, but we know that she is rich as hell, old as hell, undisclosed how old she is as well. Like literally owns the library of Parthos. Owns the library of Parthos. We don't 
know where she came from. We don't know what she is. Right. We don't know what her right. powers are. She's obscenely connected. Well, so she's described in as vague, but also similarly feared and powerful terms as Amarin was in yes. um, in the Avatar yeah, world. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like, no one knows who, what. She still has, like, a shred of benevolence in her, but only when there's something in it for her. Like, right. in the sense that she loaned Bryce a whole lot of money mm-hmm. to, to offer herself up to save Hunt yeah. when he was being sold, like, back into slavery to Sandriel at the end of Crescent City, or closer to the end of Crescent City 1. And she gave Bryce the money, but she also expected, like, a lifetime of indentured servitude, essentially, right. for mm-hmm. it. Same thing with Syrinx. She let Bryce adopt Syrinx. Right, but, but she's, she's on a payment plan. She's on a payment plan <laughs> for that. Again, same as Amarin. Like, she's living life, and, like, they do do things that are nice. Yeah. And they do have morals in some capacity, and they do care for the people around them in some capacity. But there's just this big, like, gaping mystery. And you literally cannot answer the who, what, when, where, whys of anything related to them. Yeah. So Jessica's this big black hole and I think what you're getting at is that she's going to become like it's going to come to light that she is an orchestrator of a lot of the events that have led us here. Or yeah, and she's been around since the the days of the mythology in the past. Mm-hmm. Of for, somehow like how did she collect all of these antiquities throughout time? Right. Like she's not just buying them on the black market. She's the perpetrator and the purveyor of them. Right. Including the Book of Breathings, which we mentioned earlier. Including the Book of Breathings. When Amorin jumps into the cauldron and unleashes herself, she goes in there with the Book of Breathings. She turns into her, like, little first light, first Mm -hmm. light firework thing. She comes back out and it's a human body or whatever, fey body. But the Book of Breathings is nowhere to be seen. The cauldron is some sort of portal, maybe. For sure. Right? Like, the Book of Breathings then, what, randomly ended up back in Midgard somehow? Like, and Jessica has it. AKA, like, the there's no way that the cauldron isn't a portal if there's only one copy of the book of breathing right so that's all i'm saying but we don't know what jessica is i think she is jessica jessica she's she some be, sort she of could be jessica to us she that's my girl jesse <laughs> some sort of witch goddess thing i don't i genuinely like we haven't gotten enough hints for us to really even know we know she knows adis on a personal basis but we don't know what their dealings are we know they're both old as shit and we know she likes money and that's it guys we right. don't know we don't know else. and and there's just there's information sarah has yet to reveal to us and therefore we can't make conjectures yet on so, such little information but who she is who hunt is really and i think she's also going to have to play a major role in how bryce gets back to midgard right that is another big thing that we haven't really talked about is like we're all excited that bryce is out here like you know but like ma'am the portal she opened is closed how the someone's hell gonna, she gonna get to... back she doesn't know how to navigate these portals that's how she ended up in prithian right in the she first thought she was place. going to hell so someone can shoot energy into her back no problem like i'm sure someone someone's got it i'm sure it's Feyre. It's probably fair. <laughs> oh. They're probably going to be like, ooh, we need we need light. Like, let's get our bestie, the High Lady of the Night Court, to channel some day energy, mm-hmm. some day magic, and, like, bust you know Bryce portal. You know who I would love to come back and play a big role in this? Who? Helion. Helion is such a daddy. We need Helion to come back and shoot the light energy into Bryce. Well, isn't Helion the one who knows a whole bunch of stuff about... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's the one that, like knows the legends yeah he all the time i think he's the oldest 
He's the presiding and he's the one, and he's the one who had the most extensive library, mm-hmm. right? And so he's the one who had like when Resand was like, Feyre's gonna die because she can't birth my child." They went they to went Helion, to, Helion to, to see look if and he see had, had any medical text. The tea. <laughs> <laughs> and old, he didn't, unfortunately. But right. Nesta figured it out. So right. It's all Nesta good. said, "Hold on, I got a harp. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just pluck this string right here." Which another thing, they're they've all got a niche hobby. They of, really do of art of some sort. Feyre paints. Nesta dances. Bryce dances. Mm-hmm. Aelin plays the piano. Mm-hmm. They they're all artsy fartsy girlies all of our girlies have a creative outlet mm-hmm. you know i think it's also worth mentioning we know lucian's last name we know that like lucian's family name is van sarah and we correct me if i'm wrong that i don't think we've heard any of the other high mm-hmm. lord's last names we don't know anyone else's last name right we know pharaoh's last name we know pharaoh's last name because she's just she's just a human yep um, so we've got Archeron and Van Sarah, but like we really don't know anybody else's last name. And I think obviously Sarah has left a lot of things out because there are going to be now these new familial connections drawn in Crescent City 3, yep. which a lot of, I mean, a lot of the Thorn of Glass characters do have last names. So like, are we going to see Dorian's last name, Haviliar? Are we going to see that like pop up somewhere? Like, Who's connected to whom? We know we know the Danan last name. Yeah. And like Hunt has a last name, but we're also up in the air about who his dad is. So like where did Athelar come from? Right. We also don't know who Azriel's dad is. No, he doesn't have a last name either. I mean, neither does Cassian. None of these dudes have last the names. The Illyrians don't have last names. No. And they're it's just like it's like Madonna. Like they just that's it. <laughs> exactly. They're known by one name. Just just Ken. Just Ken. They're all just Ken. That's it. To me. <laughs> um, so so Resand has to have a last name somewhere in there too. Quinlan, we know, is Bryce's mom's last name. Right. Very, very human. Again, like tracks. Archeron. Um, Danica's got a last... Like, they've all got family names in Crescent City, so it would follow suit that there's some family connections mm-hmm. somewhere along the line, or some hints at least, in Akatar that we can pick up on. Right. So all that to say, I think we're just going to be looking out for a lot of last names yes. in Crescent City 3. Also, like Hunt, for example, with the mating bond, like we didn't know if angels could mate or not. That's like a fae and wolf thing. Right. And like you can mate outside of your species, species whatever you want to call it. So Wild. it's like if Hunt felt the mating bond, is he part fae? So we don't know many possibilities there are so many possibilities so mysteries to be unraveled i pray in crescent city three i just want my mind to be blown and i feel like everyone is expecting so much out of this book and the only it's a are, thick one so we should get some yeah. answers at least and there are two authors i feel like will never disappoint us when it comes to mind-blowing crack theory crack theories twists. and and those two are Sarah J. Mass and Rebecca Yaros. Um, and so I have no doubt in my mind that Sarah will deliver with some absolute just genius, mind-bending, mind-blowing realizations that we're about to have. Some of them we might not even know to expect that we're going to realize things because she just hasn't set all of those up in ways to be like obvious for crack theories. As Kylie Jenner once said, this is the year for realizing things and realizing stuff. And I think that's real. You know, I think no one has ever said it better. <laughs> that is very articulate. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, 
that's the end of our our crescent city one and two house of earth and blood and house of sky and breath recap review and chat it was a little discombobulated and all over the place as the books are but i think again that is 100 the point like these books just were all over the place in the best possible way they're such a fun mess i can't wait to clean up the fun mess of house of flame and shadow in just a few weeks and unpack it with you on this couch literally been waiting for this i have avoided reading other books <laughs> that do not have the sequels out because i can only have so many cliffhangers living in my brain at any given time and mm. this one has afflicted me for so long and i cannot even begin to describe how excited i am for this book and how much i am going to ignore the rest of the world Same. when it comes out well pto has been taken we're ready the book is coming out on january 30th our episode recap and review similar to this one uh all about crescent city three we'll see how right we were about some of our theories right um we'll be out on february 14th valentine's day so you guys have two weeks so you have two weeks to read you have two weeks Get to on read it, it. We'll be reading it in two days, most likely. We are going on a tour of Walmarts. We're going to Barnes and Noble. Yep, we'll take you around with us. We're going to Target. Little. We'll take some vlogs along the way. Um, so follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Downlore to see our release day content shenanigans and to stay plugged into what episodes we have coming up make sure to subscribe to us on youtube and if you're listening on spotify or apple Podcasts, make sure to follow us give us a rating yeah and hey if you have and any share crack this theories, with your friends if you have any crack theories you want us to hear about before we go into our crescent city three um episode recap like email us the download at gmail.com or just shoot us a cheeky dm that too either way we're chronically online so yeah we'll we're both chronically online and chronically thinking about books yes so it will not be a disturbance merely a continuation of the thoughts we are already having in our brains at any given moment indeed i concede all, all right, right guys crack theories to the moon let's go crack theories to the moon <laughs> see you in two weeks for crescent city three can't wait it's time Bye. to realize some things <laughs> <laughs>